Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. I'd like to say Leslie Williams, Fanula Jones and Esther McCarthy join us uh, once again. Good afternoon to you all. Good afternoon. Hello. All right, there you all are. Right, uh, quick... um, Leslie, yeah. you're dying to get in there on the old crisp thing. Yeah, yeah a lot of opinions. Uh, be- I ready salted. I like best match for champagne. Ready salted. Oh. Um, Interesting yes. mixture. Yeah, what? Yes. T- t- cheese and onion doesn't quite work with champagne the same. Well, well it works okay. Tater cheese and onion that would be my favourite kind of everyday snack. Mm. But there's an Italian brand of uh, ready salted crisps. Um, they're imported by um, little not, uh, what is it? Ba- uh, best of Italy on Dunville Avenue in Ranelagh. They import them, and Vintry Off License has them. A few, pe- few places have them. They're outstanding and they're so greasy that you just leave them on a napkin and they'll just sort of soak up all the grease. <laughs> they're fantastic. I didn't even realise people imported specialist yeah. fancy crisps. Interestingly, I know a crisp importer that was bringing in Tyrrell's crisps from the UK and he had to stop because of Brexit. It was just too much of a pain. He couldn't even import crisps. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Brexit is a pain in every respect. Fanula? I'm a. I'm going to be a contrarian here. I'm a popcorn person first. But if I was to pick a crisp, I love like the saltier and the vinegary, the better. Like I want my lips to fully invert. Like a couple of weeks ago, I paid an extortionate amount of money in the very late hours to get a big bag of the hunky dory salt and vinegar mm. delivered because I just I needed them so badly. Or else, I love you know like those like jam on like ham flavoured ones you get on Ooh, holidays really like good. really generic yeah, brand yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's I feel like it's an experience because it just brings me back to like kind of being by a pool a little bit drunk the sun is on me I'm eating ham crisps Okay Fair enough. Sweet. Yeah. One to avoid is the truffle crisps they have no truffle it's just cheap synthetic truffle oil it's vile and they repeat a lot I, I don't say anything defamatory about crisps but not all crisps basically like there's no like well, you know actual cheese and cheese and onion No that's true Yeah that's I would imagine nobody's grating up cheese into the big cheese and onion <laughs> machine uh, Esther uh, uh, do you have any preferences? Yes first of all crinkle crisps all the way they have to be crinkled um, I think salt and vinegar crisps are evil I've sometimes eaten them by mistake See, I, I and knew it, been yeah. actually traumatised. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the little do these amazing barbecue crisps um, and they're crinkled and they're wonderful. But you get two packs and then you have to have the cheese and onion and the salt and vinegar as well and six packs. So if they could do that about that. Oh, right. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not only eating like two bags out of the six. It's only a third of it as heaven. Oh, God. Oh, that's a shame. Anyway, uh, tell us about the two uh, films today, Esther. Uh, both Irish films, is that right? Or more or less Irish films? Well, very heavily, uh, very heavy Irish involvement in the last duel anyway, that's for sure. I think we coined the phrase, it's a Matt Damon's Bag of Cans movie, and I think we should probably stick with that mm. this week. Um, it was the one where Damon decided uh, to spend... His the first lockdown in Dalky and uh, I think got to know everybody in the village. I was at a press conference last week where he was joking that his photographs, uh, his photographs now in every restaurant in Dalky. Um, and it was interesting. He actually said during that conference that they all landed in Dublin um, that day in March. They had been shooting in France because this is set in France. So you have Ireland doubling for France here. Mm-hmm. Um and they had done the first part of the shoot in France and they had literally just landed here and the same day the, the lockdown was or- ordered. So it was kind of like everyone frantically going to the airport, people, you know, producers, crew trying to get back home and stuff like that. And he kind of sat down with his family and took a little vote and said, you know what, we'll chance to stay in put. We've never been to Ireland. Uh, and that's that's how that, all of that came about. So I think, though, I mean, 
This, first of all, this is an 18 search, which is very, very unusual um, for period drama. Um, and I think people are making that kind of lighthearted association with Matt Damon, maybe not realising this. This is quite um, a dark, a, a brilliant film. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, but like, it's quite a dark subject matter uh, because it's based on a true, uh, true events in the Middle Ages in France in the 14th century. Um, Involving the rape of um, oh God, yeah, involving the rape of the wife of a nobleman in France and the husband and her, her very very brave decision at the time. And we go into the politics of all that later, but her very brave decision at the time to report the rape and seek justice for it. Um, so very timely at the moment, and there's a very Me Too thing going on here that Ridley Scott has weaved um, very cleverly into the story even though it's very much period film and it's based on historical events but you know Matt Damon is her husband and he challenges um, the suspected rapist because he's denying all along um, right to the end that he's and that he's played by Adam uh, Driver and he challenges him to duel to the death and it was the last um, kind of you know officially sanctioned uh, duel to the death in French history um, it was so okay. good that they decided afterwards, oh, maybe we better stop doing this. <laughs> uh, OK, that makes sense. Uh, and, uh, uh, and the second movie, uh, is it an Irish language movie or is it just an, an Irish, Irish title? Langu- yeah, no, it's an Irish language movie. It's Arukt, um, meaning monster. And this was due to come out about a year and a half ago now. And I am delighted to see it getting released into cinemas today because it is an absolutely wonderful film. Um set during famine times and uh, it revolves around this character who's a fisherman um, and following kind of a series of violent events at the beginning of the film he's forced to go into exile forced to go on the run Uh, but there may be redemption in the form of a young girl he meets down the line as the famine rages in Ireland who needs his help Uh, it's a really soulful film it's beautiful looking it's um Shot at, I, I, I know you're a Galway man, Sean. I don't know how well you know Leisure Mullen down in West Connemara, the very far reaches of mm. um, West Connemara. It's, it's shot down there and set there. And that village and, and that landscape is almost like a character in the film. It would just like, like Discover Ireland should be paying them money for this, yes. basically. It's just beautiful looking. Um, and I think it's a really interesting time because I was talking to the lead actor in this, Don O'Haley, recently, and he was talking about, you know, Everyone's watching stuff like Call My Agent, uh, a Korean TV series, yeah, is the biggest yeah. thing on Netflix at the moment. And, um, you know, we had Parasite winning uh, the Best Picture Oscar last year, not the Best Foreign Language Picture Oscar. I'm just talking about the possibilities now for storytelling all Squelga, I think, you know. I think Black 47, a couple of years ago, did very well at the box office here, showed there was commercial interest uh, uh, from Irish people in storytelling and very cleverly framed the famine story as a kind of Western thriller, I think. But, you know, I think the world's your oyster now with Irish storytelling and I believe we're Mm going to see a lot more of it coming down the tracks. I think funding models have improved and stuff like that as well. Um, And I think it's maybe a really exciting time now to be a, a storyteller in the Irish language now that most of us just... You know, we we choose we choose shows now based on our interest in them, not whether there's writing at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. Or not, you know, and yeah. I think the streamers have 
kind of shake us loose from all of that. Yeah, that's a very interesting prospect. Uh, And the two wines we're going to be talking about today, Leslie. Uh, So um, white and red from northwestern Spain. One incredibly rare in that there's only one place you can buy it in all of Ireland. And it's actually, I think, the first... Yeah, I think it's the first time I've ever tasted this grape as a single varietal. It, okay. Um, it's a Kenyo Blanco, Kenyo Blanco. Um, and then the other one is a Mencia, which is, again, relatively rare, but is more available. Um, okay. But two unusual things. Very interesting. Now, the most, uh, I think the most controversial thing uh, I've seen on the old, well, apart from the usual ranty stuff, but the most controversial thing I've seen on social media this week, Fanula, is A, that they're making a reboot of Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but secondly, Ashling B's accent mm-hmm. uh, in this. Uh, now, do we have a, we have a clip of that? Do we? Yeah, yeah. So you know, you can make up your own mind. So you can you space, uh, even uh, uh, see which one is Ashling B. Twas the night before Christmas vacation, and the fun was in full swing. You have split our family onto two separate flights. Mom, Max, please. The family left for their big vacation. Is that everyone? Cars are leaving now! But forgot one little thing. Mom? Dad? Uncle Blake? They don't even know I'm here. They don't even know I'm here. My mom and dad have gone to Tokyo. I'm totally on my own. You do realise that my ten-year-old son is at home by himself. You just assumed Max was on the other flight. We didn't take a census. There you go. That's uh, It's called Home Sweet Home Alone. Uh, even the title is dreadful. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's, what's there to say? The reaction to this has been very mixed. Um, it's coming to Disney Plus next month. As you mentioned, Ashing Bee's in it. She's the mam. Same plot. They're going away for Christmas. One of the kids is left behind. She's desperately trying to get back to sort the kid out. The kid is having an absolute roiler by himself. Um, but of course, there are some hapless robbers as well who are played by Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper. They're trying to foil uh, mm-hmm. the child's plans. Uh, who's played by Archie Yates. People know from Jojo Rabbit. He's very good. I'd imagine he will be very good in this role. But yeah, a lot of criticism around B's accent, which I think is kind of founded, kind of unfounded. I think that I don't think it's a terrible British accent. I know some people would disagree. I think the issue is more around the fact that it's like a British family. Well, I think the main issue is that people don't want this rebooted at all because it's there's that. Th- it's like yeah. the classic Christmas yeah. movie. I think out of all of them, mm. this was the one that probably should have remained untouched, but Hollywood just can't do that. Um, and then I think I think for me, there, and I know there's a couple of cross nationalities in this. That's not just British people or whatever people playing British people. But I think that kind of makes it lose its charm a bit as well, or kind of takes away from the original. I don't know. I don't know. Is it a thing of to try and separate it from the original? Um, people are going to watch this anyway. You know what I mean? Even if they're going to watch it hate watch it out of curiosity or whatever um, Macaulay Culkin is not making a cameo there were some rumours that he was ah. that he was tied into it but he kind of came out on Twitter today and said wishes everyone the best of luck but he's absolutely not in it um, but Buzz who people remember from the original uh, he's in it as a police officer played by the original actor uh, Devin Rattray so I I, I, don't, I, see, know. I don't know why they couldn't just let her do it in her own accent. It's see, not like she's some impenetrable accent or anything. See, this is the thing. And like, I think she's similar to Chris O'Dowd and that like, they're better. Yeah. Like, it's okay to be like, you're not good at a- accents. It doesn't mean you're a bad actor. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely don't think she is. I think yeah. she's incredible. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like, and maybe it is because we're Irish and we're so used to hearing her in her own accent. I just feel like it kind of takes you out of the moment to hear her as this British 
mom. I don't know. I also think she's too young for the role, to be honest, as this mom of like 800 kids or yes. whatever, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, Which I she, think is the bigger issue, a, but yeah. Child Bride there. Yeah. On. But she was in that thing. She was in a Netflix series. Living of, with Herself. Yeah, living, uh, and she did do her own accent in that. Now, maybe there was She's some, so good in that. She's yeah, really but maybe there's some Paul calculation Rudd. made that, that, oh, that didn't work. We, we couldn't understand well, her yeah, rogue. You do. Uh, that's um, the thing. I think maybe it's like they've done a consensus of audiences everywhere and it's like British is more palatable for the Americans or whatever. I'm not sure. But yeah, as I said, people are going to watch anyway. I'm sure Archie 8s will be very good as Max the Cage. Uh, Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper seem very funny as the rappers. They seem to have like good chemistry. I know you're, they're kind of like a love or hate pair in terms of on-screen people but yeah I don't know yeah I don't know either what's, Disney Plus next what's month what's gone wrong with the world McDowell <laughs> uh, says went to Bond last weekend all going pretty decent till the end Jesus whoever came up with this idea and then those who approved it really fecked up things it should be entertaining not up its own arse Written and fecked up by committee. David Mitchell wrote a very good piece on it, says McDara, whose strong opinions. I haven't seen it and we don't want to give away any spoilers. I haven't seen it, but from okay. what I've reviewed what I've read of reviews and stuff, I get what he's on about, but also I'm just kinda like stop crying as well. I don't, I don't know what does he mean in terms of where the franchise is going. Or maybe what happen whatever happens at the end. Yeah. I, I don't know what happens at the end, so maybe obviously there's something he disapproves of intensely yeah. Yeah. that happens at that point. Walker's smoky bacon with a pickled egg. Ooh. Oh, no, yeah, no. I, 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 you I, lost me a pickled egg. I, I, I don't I'm actually have issue there. with the crisp there, but yeah, yeah no. Yeah. And Ew. a pint of Guinness. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, I think we're adding okay, too many elements now. <laughs> fine, Leslie, but you're sleeping by yourself that night. <laughs> right, so let's talk about uh, what's our first wine of the day. So our first wine is, uh, just let me give you a glass. Hold on. Okay. Oh, thank delicious. Oh, always, yes, it's fancy stemless ones. Oh, thank you very much. I'll now, grab. is it not bad to be drinking a white wine out of a stemless glass? Because that means that, you know, you, 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 the heat of your hands will warm it up, etc. Uh, sure. No. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> no, that's I mean, all I needed to know. Most people don't use the bloody stem anyway. Wait, they pick it up by the actual bowl. Um, right, so the wine is Vigna Almarante and it is a Kenyo Blanco or Kenyo Branco, C-I-A-N with a tilde O okay. Branco Blanco. Um, really rare grape. Um, it is grown in Rio Spicious in southern Galicia. You'll get it in, in northern Portugal but really nobody grows it as a single varietal. This is a single varietal and I was kind of just excited to taste a single varietal. Yeah, yeah. Is the, that inc- an increasing rarity a single varietal? Uh, well, it's, well it's, it's good that things have moved away somewhat and that we shouldn't be there was a time when all the New World wines insisted that their best wine would always be a single varietal Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. It doesn't need to be. You know, Chateau de Papi uses 16 grapes sometimes so I mean, you, you can do what you want but um, I mean it's just it's interesting to try this as a single varietal just purely just for for the knowledge sake um, there is one other wine that I can think of that is a single varietal um, Kenya Blanco and that's Lamar from Terras Gaudis Alvarini but I haven't seen that in Ireland in recent years I mean it used to be available I never tasted it when it was a single varietal I tasted it when it was half um, Kenya Branco half Albarino it is related to Albarino um, I should tell you where it's available first of all um, Nikki um, if only down in Sulla's uh, tapas bar in uh, Dingle tasted it and uh, thought that's good I'm buying it all and he bought 40 <laughs> cases of it <laughs> so, right so there is only one <laughs> place you've got to go to Dingle but look it's another excuse to go to Dingle you know I mean, Dingle's a great place this is on my great list now for when you know? I go it's kind of genius yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love it uh, so it's all fragrant fruit characterful it's lovely yeah. Yeah, yeah, really, really aromatic and, yeah. and, and, and textured and uh, what do you think? Fiona? Yeah, very oh. nice. Very, yeah. very nice. Very nice. Uh, Lidl Just... prawn crackers are fab. Would that go with a Lidl prawn cracker? Yeah, yeah I think it would. Yeah. 
Mm. It's really good with seafood. I had it in the restaurant with seafood. Um, and kind of, you know, he has this thing where he does a kind of a... Uh, monkfish Kiev um, with kind mm. of yeah, and it, and it was really good with that basically you know um, so mm. it's a great little restaurant yeah. yeah Kevin says I remember this when I first encountered Crisp they came in a greaseproof paper bag and contained a little oh, paper too. twist of salt <laughs> that you could add to taste oh my god what year was that England oh, I never saw a them a gazillion anymore. years ago but the great thing was is that you, you get this little it was a little blue bag and and you and you'd empty it onto your crisps. Of course, all the crisps on the top were covered in salt and delicious, <laughs> and the ones at the end were completely tasteless. <laughs> that was the only snag there, right? and you'd kind of do it deliberately. Oh, try a sandwich with chip sticks. Not good. No, no, no. 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 I do love chips with salt, but not in a sandwich. Yeah, but, by the way, let's give a mention to one other brand. There's a brand called Clinton's Crisp. Oh, oh my God, they do like a steak yeah. crisp. And Actually, they, I wasn't that impressed with them, to be honest. But, I but love them. I absolutely love them. Yeah. yeah, no, I do think they're right. The steak one specifically, like, kind, this is going to sound weird if you don't eat meat, but like, they kind of taste mm. meaty. Like, they're the meatiest crisps, like, crisps I've ever tasted. It's all. Well, they're the recommend. most vinegariest salt and vinegar I've ever tasted. They're well, too much for me. You know? mm, but if you yeah. like that, though, you know. I, can, I want to wake up dehydrated after eating crisps, to be honest. <laughs> Morgan says, I like truffle crisp, but the flavour doesn't leave you for about a week. Yeah. Yeah. Cahal says, I have to second the motion to avoid truffle crisps. Oh, Jesus, never again. To curb, uh, uh, to to quote Curb Your Enthusiasm's Funkhauser, it tastes like I stuck a straw in a frog's ass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Esther, what movie would you like to do first? You're, you're going to probably think I'm a sociopath now, but I used to have to wean myself off when I was younger off chipstick and peanut sandwiches. Esther, what divine. the hell? Wow. Wow. <laughs> they are, I'm telling you, you wow. can thank me later. Oh my God, are those teeth your own? <laughs> I know somebody used to make polo mint sandwiches. What? Oh, yeah. yeah. What? Pull them inside. Oh, it's just, yeah, there's no depravity humans aren't capable of. I've always thought so. Oh. And sometimes she would put um, uh, cola bottle jellies in them with them. That's not yeah. sandwiches. No, was it at least brown bread? No, no, it was not bread. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that, that, that toilet was never visited for quite some time, I think. Uh, right, so, um, what, would you want to do the jewel first, Esther? Yeah, let's do the last jewel. Okay, first, the last yeah. jewel coming up after this. I will not be patronised by this squire who lies about court, waiting to be fated with gift upon gift upon gift, and risks nothing, nothing. He may acquire more property in this world, find more favor, eat more, drink more, bed more, and otherwise call himself a man of arms. But in this hall, and any other, in my company, he will call me Sir. 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 Indeed, good sir. Enjoy your time in Paris, Sir Jean. Suddenly, Ashling B's English accent isn't so bad. <laughs> uh, that was uh, the last jewel there. So uh, t- tell us about it, Esther. Um. To be fair to all involved, I think they've deliberately not gone for that kind of arch English accent that you sometimes get in period films. They've tried to go for something a little bit more neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a consistency to it, I think. I actually kind of liked that because, you know, you're supposed to be in medieval France. Like, why is everyone talking like Londoners, you know? Um, I've always kind of been bothered by that. <laughs> I would pay films. to see that film. Uh, everyone with an East Enders <laughs> accent. 
It's like, hello, hello. Hello, <laughs> hello. Um, so that's, yeah, so I suppose in isolation, that it, the accents might sound a bit off there, but throughout the balance of the film, that it works really well. Um, this is very good. It's very clever on um, sexuality and the way women are treated um, and, and cast aside as almost, you know, child breeders during this period. And uh, Jodie Comer is the star of this show. I know everyone's talking about Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, who co-wrote the script as well and wisely got a female script screenwriter on board by the name of Nicole, Nicole Hofkner, um, who is, after bringing a really good contribution here, I think, but Jodie Comer is the star of the show. She is the reason it works. She brings it heart and humanity and you feel a huge sense of empathy towards her. Um, and she is, as I say, this real life character by the name of Marguerite de Carouge, um, who was left devastated in, in 14th century France. She was she kind of married up. She married a nobleman um, who was Jean de Carouge, who was played by Matt Damon. But she's left devastated after being viciously raped by an acquaintance of hers, uh, of his actually, by the name of Jacques Legree, who's played by Adam Driver. Um, she makes the decision to tell her husband about the rape um, and she says that she wants to see ju- justice served, which was a really out there, brave, mad decision at the time. And you know what? When you see the reaction of her own husband and of society at large, you know, you kind of realise why it was brave of her. Um, Driver insists at, from the first time and throughout that the attack was consensual and denies any wrongdoing. So what... Ridley Scott and everyone on board do then is they get they give us almost like it's an idea so audacious it shouldn't work but it does um they tell the story from the now you're well into the film before you realize that's what's happening but they tell the story from the perspective of three the three different characters um first of all through Matt Damon's um and the scene you heard there is his his voicing his disappointment uh he was expecting a dowry from uh, a local leader who's played by Van Affleck um, in return for marrying Marguerite who is trading up as they would have said in the in those days um, so he is feeling very resentful to, towards her because he thought he was going to get land but it didn't happen basically um, and so it's all his perspective first then you get um, the story through Adam Dri- Driver's perspective including the events leading up to and during the rape uh, and then the third act of the film and it really does feel like a film of three acts is told through Marguerite who Jodie Comer's performance here it, it leaves you in no doubt who you believe mm-hmm. but it's also really it's a tough watch this one I will say and it's it's unusual that a period film would be an 18 search so it is yeah I think it's you know it's not grim it's not um it's not manipulative ever, which is great. Um, and I think it's really, really powerful in the narrative of the person, the different people involved and how they view their story or how they manipulate their story. I think it's a very, very clever piece of filmmaking. I haven't seen anything like this done in a period film before. Um, and I think, as I say, what anchors it all, what makes it work is a, an assured direction from, from Ridley Scott, for sure. Uh, but Jodie Comer is yeah. just fantastic. It, it won't fantastic. be long before we see Jodie Comer um, doing her Oscar speech, I would think. You know what? I just love her. And I love that kind of breed of act- act- female actors at the moment who 
um, you know, Vanessa Kirby is another one. I'm halfway through watching something before who I realise who it even is, you know? Mm. She was in, uh, Jodie Comer was in Free Guy recently. Yeah, um, and she was and great she, in that. And she, it was well into the film before I twigged the, who, who it was, you know? And I love that comedian quality that both her and Vanessa Kirby have, I think, two of the best um, actors working in the world at the moment. Um, okay. And yeah, you will yeah. see Jodie getting, uh, I hope she gets an Oscar nomination for this. I hope it's not overlooked. Um because she is, I suppose, not always the film's protagonist for reasons I've just told you. Um, and a lot of stuff happens to her. And I think that is, can make you over, make her performance get overlooked sometimes in award season. But I think she should absolutely be in the conversation for her work here. Yeah, yes, um, indeed. I know people love loca- location spotting. Unfortunately, you can't because we're supposed to be in France. So if we could spot locations, um, the art production and locations people wouldn't have done their job right. But they did uh, construct huge um, sets at Ardmore Studios, um, recreating churches and, and buildings in medieval France. And then the big jewel itself to the death, um, which happened. And there's a bit of humour in it, the, you know, how much people are entertained by the violence of that jewel who come to watch it. So there's a bit of humour peppered in there as well. Um, that was actually shot at Bally Curry um, Demence in the county Wicklow town of Ashford, which right. is right near Ardmore. So okay. people you, will if be... you're familiar with that, you might spot it in the, in the film. Uh, David in Dublin says, my uncle was Joe Murphy, the man behind Tato. Nicknamed Spud, his first crisps were cut by hand in a tiny factory in Moore Street. And this is true. When he died, his obituary was in the Telegraph newspaper and was credited with inventing the cheese and onion flavour. That's real fame. We own the cheese and onion flavour. There you go. something, you know, something they can never take away from us. Right. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We do have to take a break. Back in a couple of minutes. Once again, what's our next wine? So next wine is uh, Mencia from the small region of Beard, so up on the Galician border in Castilla y Leon. Um, uh, this particular one is Luna Berberide, which is from Wheelahan's Wines. But every decent shop in Ireland that sells wine should have a Mencia and they are all good. They all have violet scents and raspberry and black cherry fruits and they're usually low in alcohol, usually around 13%. And don't buy the expensive ones, aged in oak and from oak fermented because it doesn't really work with the scrape at the same degree. Um, it's it's a good in well. They're usually sort of fourteen to seventeen or so, and I think this is a okay. pretty good example. Nice black fruits, juicy, easygoing, and um, and yes, if you can't go to Wheelands Wines, pretty much any decent wine shop would have it. That the reason I wanted to do these two grapes. Oh, that's but, nice. Is yeah. That yeah, it is. Yeah. Like nice. for fifteen euros, I think mm. that's great. Mm. And the reason I wanted to do this is we tend to think of of Spain as Tempranillo, Garnacha, and kind of yeah. that's it. Yeah, this is you know. Bierzo, Mencia, only grown in that region. The previous one was Kenya Branco. There's a great Colorera. There's Trexadura. There's Valdioris makes Godeo. Um, there's all kinds of unusual varieties in Spain. And we should just look at it with a bit more of an open eye. Yeah. And, and, and Tempranillo, would this be fair to say Tempranillo is a bit of a kind of an image of like it takes you outside and slaps you around a bit? A little bit. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, it's a massive, you're looking at me kind of wine. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it could be wonderful in Ribera del Duero. Really dark fruits mm, and so on. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, I actually think Garnacha is probably my favourite Spanish grape. If you're going to take, uh, you know, and and, and there's Carignana, then there's um, uh, Bobal, and then there's Monastrel. And uh, like we tend to think we get very stuck into our brands and, and 
Great varieties are almost brands at this stage. Um, but uh, I just think it's good to... Spain is one of those few countries you can take a risk, basically, at any price range. And, and I think it's good. Uh, Joe says, I know a woman who drives over 60 miles to buy... Oh, she... Uh... <laughs> This is 20 years ago, obviously. I know a woman who drives over 60 miles to buy Marks and Spencer's 99 cent six pack salt and vinegar. She <laughs> rings beforehand to make sure they're in stock. That's commitment, go. isn't it, Just I need to try them now. Yeah. Mm, yeah. She may, she may have a point there, Joe. Uh, another text that says cheese and onion potato uh, uh, with sliced banana. No, Salty I sweet. hate it. This came up around lockdown mm. last year as well and everyone was doing it online and I'm just, we're not bringing that back. Sorry, like, yeah. and that person needs to have a longer think about themselves. Tater cheese and onion crisps in the old crinkly greaseproof bag were best eaten on the beach with salty, sandy fingers. You don't know what somebody has done in the sand. Yeah, same thing. A variation, burger bites and mashed banana sandwich. Oh, that's baby food, basically. Burger bites is such a throwback. I loved them. I haven't had them in ages. Yeah, but mashed banana. No, yeah, the ma- I'm ignoring no, that. Uh, Dunn Store's uh, Simply Better Clawhead Sea Salt and White Wine Vinegar Crisps. OMG. The best, most flavoursome crisps available, but notions out me arse. <laughs> yes, that does sound notiony. And uh, Kieran texted me to say, I hate Home Alone. There, I said it. I'm not, cra- it's not my favourite. I'm not crazy about it. I, uh, I don't really get the, in comparison to some others, I don't really get the hype around it. No, me neither. It's, it's fine. There's probably a fondness for it among a certain generation. And then they've, you know, made their own kids watch it. Who goes, yeah. yes, mommy, I like it. Yeah. Isn't that the one that Donald Trump does a cameo in? Yeah, the, the second one. Yeah. The second one. Yes, is it? he okay. does. Did they yeah. digitally take yeah. him out though? Was no, there, there was discussion of that. Yeah. yeah. No, it's the Santa Claus for me, even though I know Tim is a bit problematic in his own right. But <laughs> Is there anybody who doesn't? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Everyone's problematic now. It's fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Everyone, everyone's equally cancelled. Yeah. Uh, right. Speaking of um, uh, comedians, now there's, there's going to be a Robin Williams biopic. Now, did this happen because this guy was on doing impersonations of him or is that just a fortuitous coincidence? Yeah, no, this is a bit of a mad story. So basically this guy, he's an actor, Jamie Costa. He posted this self-tape this week of him doing kind of an impression of Robin Williams in the hope that it will be turned into a biopic. And it's, if anyone hasn't seen this, it's been trending across Twitter across like the last two days go watch this because it is actually, you know when you kind of see something trending and you're like, all right, okay, whatever. And I watch it and it's incredible how uncanny the impersonation it is. He's like doing it at the height of William's like Mork and Mindy fame. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he's kind of preparing for this scene in it. And then his co-star comes in and tells him uh, about uh, John Belushi dying. And you kind of see Costa go through all the emotions that Williams presumably would have done at the time. And it's just, even his mannerisms and everything are incredible it's so good um, it's like over four and a half million views probably more now even since I'm saying it um, people are raving about this and I am kind of one of those people now that I'm like if he's not in the biopic I don't want to know about it because I can't he physically looks like him and he just has everything about him down pat like the facial expressions the way he talks everything it's mm-hmm. so so good but like there's no official word that this is going to happen but I mean when you look at the the Fresh Prince reboot that they're doing that mm. came based off of a viral video that someone put together yeah. and put on YouTube like the dark retelling um, so I mean stranger things have happened you know what I mean yeah but are they definitely doing it anyway not confirmed no All I think right, he's just okay. pitching this as it happened I mean I'm surely he's the kind of person you'd imagine he is going to his story is going to be told at some point yeah 
Yeah. But nothing official, no. Yeah. Uh, on the same, uh, uh, well, on a similar vein, there's going to be a Britney, or, or the reaction to the Britney Murphy documentary. Yeah, so it's not out here yet, but I, I'm assuming we'll get it. It came out this week in the States. I'm assuming we'll get it very soon. But the reaction has not been great. Like, very divisive. Um, for anyone who doesn't know Britney Murphy, she was in Clueless, 8 Mile, Uptown Girls, among a couple of other roles. And her death has kind of always been shrouded in this kind of... I don't know, like the fans have always had questions around her death. She died uh, at 32 in 2009 from pneumonia. There was kind of questions around her marriage because the husband died a couple of months later in very similar circumstances. But most of the reviews that I've seen of this are calling it very exploitive, kind of leaning a bit too, that it's very like internet sleuthy. Like it does have people in it. Um, like her childhood friends and like the director of Clueless the name escapes me at the minute but they are in it and they give like contributions and paint a picture of who she was and how much how she struggled in Hollywood and I think those kind of scenes are praised but then there are other clips of you know like very like crime call reenactments of like pill bo- people taking pills and th- like it, it, it's very like a lot of true crime tropes that I think mm-hmm. do it a disservice and it seems a bit Grim, and I think people will come away with it with more questions than actual answers from the whole thing and the whole circumstances. Like we still don't know is the thing if there are if there are even any question marks over her death. It's just a bit, it's a bit sad because she was so talented, and instead of this being this documentary being this monument to her and this nice tribute, it's just kind of I don't know. It's a bit seedy. I think it's a bit exploitive. Yeah. Uh, a few comments on The Last Duel already. Uh, the first scenes of The Last Duel were filmed in Care Castle in Tipperary, says uh, Stefan. Lots of people saying that they've seen it and, and really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, Netflix uh, took on the set used for The Last Duel near Ashford and are using it for some of the scenes in Vikings Valhalla. Sure, half of TLD extras are Viking extras. Same as with Green Knight. Best minimum wages extras in the world. <laughs> Lol, says G, who seems to have some uh, knowledge of that. Uh, and Marco and Cork, because uh, we were talking about Jodie Comer already. Uh, Jodie Comer and Help, please discuss. I think this is the most powerful drama I've ever seen. Was shown in a very late, late slot on Channel 4 and the media barely discussed it. Got a brief selective goggle box, which the serious critical political stuff. I think the Tories did their damnedest to make this disappear. Watch ye say, I thought it was. Well, it is on the, the uh, it's on all four. You can watch it still. Uh, as far as I know, but it is a brilliant piece of work. I'll have to uh, watch that. I've never seen uh, that. And, and it's jo- well, it's mostly Jodie Comer, but it's it's set in um, set in an old folks' home during the height of the pandemic. They can't get staff. They can't get the PPE. And there's this like harrowing twenty minutes, possibly. Well, actually, it's possibly longer. It felt like it went on for ten years because you were just living there. Where she's the she's uh, an aide. You know, she's kind of a, one of the health carer there. Mm. But she's all by herself on a night shift because they couldn't get anybody else. And one guy gets COVID. She can't get an ambulance. She can't get anyone to help. She has to try and deal with it herself. She has to get one of the other clients um, who is young but has dementia uh, and get him to help her turn this guy over to the side. It's absolutely extraordinary stuff. And then kind of, you know, you know, like films of writing at the end mm. uh, um, uh, and it you know, gives you how much people were paid uh, in, that, in that sector uh, and how much PPE they got which was Damol mm. and Shagol in, mm. uh, uh, respectively so uh, Marco and Cork is, uh, particularly, uh, is particularly correct uh, in that one uh, also uh, Esther you were talking about what sudden move uh, or no sudden move la- last week what sudden move last week after listening to the show I will never get those two hours back still no idea what happened <laughs> Uh, so some people seem to think it was confusing, Esther. 
It was very dense. It was too dense. I think I did say that in the review, um, but I thought the rewards were there now, I have to say. I did really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, it, it is uh, almost deliberately confusing in the storytelling, I think, from Sud- mm, Sutherland. Yeah, not a great sell. Okay, we'll go to our last movie. It's called Aract. Here's the a clip. Hey, Mr. Maig. That's the idea of Norok to learn the Hunna Susan Mahasa. Not more than Mahasa in Chifo. There you go. Uh, right, so uh, obviously that might be more or less confusing as uh, no sudden move depending on your level of Irish Esther. So uh, what's going on there? I'm very sorry to say I can barely understand a word of that, um, but I think that's maybe a point worth making here because uh, you don't have to be a, a Gwail Gore to enjoy the power of the storytelling here. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think Don Haley, who's who's a Connemara man, I think he's, he got to work on his, uh, on his back garden almost. He is super as Coleman, the, the main protagonist in the piece. So he is... Uh, he just kind of brings a heart to it and a soulfulness. Um, he's a man who's used to living off the land. Uh, he makes a bit of pochine on the on the side, uh, but he works as a fisherman. And his family are all that he's about, and he works and lives to protect them. So he's he's noticed though he's heard rumours from the south of the country that the crops aren't doing well this year, uh, and that they're likely to fail. And you do see him picking up rotting potatoes uh, at one stage. But while all of this is happening and they don't know what's about to hit them, um, Coleman is asked to take in Patsy, um, who's played by Dara Devaney. He's a returning soldier from the Napoleonic Wars um, and he's kind of, he's an odd character, shall we say. As As one of the other characters in the film says at one stage, they won't be singing folk songs about Patsy. And uh, that's absolutely right because he's a troubled man. He's a loose cannon. Um, And as the potatoes start to rot in the fields, Coleman and Patsy head to the big house uh, owned by an English landlord and they plead with him not to raise rents. Um, That is scornfully refused, leading to a very shocking and bloody series of events for which Coleman is blamed. So he's forced to go on the run. He lives in a cave on an island off... um, off the mainland mm. and he hides out there. We meet him two years later again then and sure everyone's reeling. Yeah. People have been displaced and dead and he's isolated but there might but, be... But well one. worth watching Esther. I'm sorry to wrap you up there because I, okay. I'm pretty much straight out of time. Uh, thank you Super. to uh, uh, Esther and uh, Fanula and Leslie. Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie